At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hope everyone had a great weekend and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. <laughs> Pearson juggling, Paul DeTito next to me. Hello. 201-939-4513. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, We're back um, live, which is great. Our top men have figured out their issues for the most part, pending Um, something else. But, uh, yeah, thanks for being with us. DeTito, I know, has some very strong thoughts on the Pro Bowl that he wants to share Mm -hmm. that I will henceforth make fun of him for. Uh, We can look ahead to the Super Bowl a little bit. We'll wrap up the the Shrine Bowl and uh, Senior Bowl as well. The game, obviously, in Mobile got played this weekend. So all of that, but whatever you want to talk about, guys, on the phones at 201-939-4513. We'll dip more into free agency as we move ahead this week. Mr. Dettino, I will let you lead off with your... So we're, we're eating lunch in the cafeteria before we start. And I said, so, Paul, you know, what do you want to open with on BBK? He says, John, I have some very strong feelings about what that Pro Bowl was this weekend. And you're probably going to make fun of me for it. And I said, I probably will. <laughs> Commence. Yes, sir. You know, when the AFC and NFC were formed, when the AFL and NFL merged for the 1970 season, and they okay. created the Pro Bowl. Here we go. Um, and you will see, if you go on Twitter, there are a number of these guys, nostalgia buffs, who have put highlights old of people. those first few Pro Bowls on Twitter. Okay. Well, they can't be that old if they're putting highlights on Twitter. They must be pretty good at it, right? they got to be young people, don't they? No, or maybe old they're people, just... Old um, people don't know how to do that. Well, maybe they've adapted to, the, to, to modern life. Okay. In any event, here's my point. You can go on those old clips and see that they played those games for real. Now, it was only until, oh, I want to say maybe the mid-90s when the Pro Bowls started to become a bit of a mockery and guys weren't hitting each other. They weren't really tackling. See, I don't remember when the Pro Bowl wasn't a mockery, so... Okay, well, when you go back to what? I was born in 81, so right. do the math. So, so you figure about 10 years yeah. old, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's about the time where it really changed. 
So okay. you're still holding a grudge for 30 years. No. <laughs> yes. That's what it it's sounds just like. that it's just that <laughs> I looked forward to the Pro Bowl because it was another game. And I always looked forward to seeing the competition and I looked forward to watching the, the my favorite players, whether they were Giants or not. There were certain guys I wanted to see in the game. The way they did it this week, and I know it's become a mockery in the last 20 years. I understand. 30. All right, whatever. <laughs> 30. And it, it longer got, than Pierce has been alive. Well, okay. it be, it be, basically it became it became touch football is what it became. Yeah, so they it actually, was horrible. So this year they turned it into touch football. Okay, so they turned it into a skills competition and flag football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stomach it. It was horrible. I'm sorry, John, but it was just horrible. It was not football. I have not watched a Pro Bowl in 20 years. The only reason that streak ended this year is because I tuned in on Sunday at 6 o'clock to ESPN to watch the Nixon Sixers. Yes. But the flag football game had gone over, <laughs> so I had to watch 20 minutes of that before they started yeah, televising Eli won. Sixers. Eli beat Peyton. He's the coach. Yes, Eli. Oh, my God. Love it. But anyway, here's the problem, John, right? Here's the problem. Take a picture of that, Pierce. At least in the old, at least in the old <laughs> Pro Bowl, right? If you were a fan of a certain team and you knew your guys made it, yeah, right, mm-hmm. you could tune into the Pro Bowl game and look for your guys and see whatever they did. Mm-hmm. You remember? You remember the year where Victor Cruz set a Pro Bowl record with twelve catches in the game? Yeah, and that I was did. fun. I couldn't. I didn't even watch it. I okay, less. I did. I know, but you're a movie and player. I was keeping track, oh and I was God. like, "He's going to break the record," and he like, did. You weren't like taking notes during the game, were you? It was great it, back in the day. I had fun watching it. Oh my God! All right, here's so here's what they did, John. They turned it into this skills competition, and then this seven-on-seven flag football thing. For example, if you're a Giants fan and you wanted to see Dexter Lawrence. You couldn't find him. I'm sure he did one of the skills competitions. He did one of the skills competitions, but when they actually got to the games, because there were low linemen involved in the games, all the offensive linemen and defensive linemen, except for the center, did not play in the games. He was reduced to, they kept showing him all the time. He's shooting videos and, and doing snapshots and stuff. It's like, that's not what I wanted to see Dexter Lawrence do. I don't go on vacation with the man. If I wanted to see him shoot pictures, I'd go on a vacation with him. Right? Okay, I can see this is not going anywhere. No, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you. All you said you wanted to say your piece. I'm letting you say your okay, piece. Okay, but you go you, ahead. But you understand that I'm upset about this. It made me very, very upset. I did not enjoy I, this. I understand. So, you would you rather have the touch football they've been doing? No, I want the real Pro Bowl back from the '70s. Old man yells at clouds would yeah. be the there theme you of go. This. Now here's the reason title why. The podcast. All right, but here's the thing. <laughs> That's what you should. As much as I love right the real Pro Bowl, let me make something clear to you, John, because <laughs> yes. I know I I know this is a big joke. I get it, but here's the problem: because the game has become such big business, the players don't want to play a real Pro Bowl anymore no. because they're making so much money they don't want to get hurt. Yeah, and the fans don't want them to get hurt either. By the way, okay, I get that. How would you feel if Dexter Lawrence walked out of that game with the twenty ACL? I would, be, I would be crushed. Yeah. <laughs> now, they had apparently 50,000 fans in Las Vegas for this thing. And that's what they served them. Okay. Whatever. That's like cold mashed potatoes. There might have been a buffet involved. It was Las Vegas. No? Uh, no yeah, maybe. 
In any event, I have expressed my strong feelings. I'm very glad to move on. Okay. I understand that you can't appreciate this. No, I want that. I'm letting you. I'm not arguing with you. No. I'm letting you well, go. Well, you're very nice. I'm it's very nice go. of you to let me do this. Yes, because I'm I'm visibly upset. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this 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 three day <laughs> Pro Bowl games was an absolute farce. <laughs> but it's been a farce for thirty years. Okay. But see, if they're not going to do a real Pro Bowl the way it was meant to be when they created it, then they just shouldn't do it. Just don't do it at all. Not when you can make more money. Well, now, now you, John, you got to the crux of it all. That's this, the crux of everything, Paul. This is a, this is it's a, all about money. This is a multi-level skills event Fine. that is all about marketing because. Yeah, of course it is. You know, in any event. In but my, see, the original... Opinion, all All-Star games are kind of becoming that way. Yes, they all are yes. becoming that way, 100%. It's very sad. They used to be a lot better. In all sports, they were better. The NBA All-Star game was a lot better years ago, too. At least in the NBA, for like the last five minutes of the game, the guys start taking it seriously. Yeah, they do. They do. The NHL is ridiculous. They do three-on-threes now. Oh, is that what they do? I oh, no it's idea. terrible. It's terrible. It's not... I Look, I understand people today... Because of the injury factor, because of the money involved, because everything's about marketing and it's about making it appealing to, to young people and so forth and so on. I get it. This is what it's morphed into. From a business perspective, I totally understand it, John. I just remember the way things used to be when it was a real game and it was a hell of a lot of fun. What do you think of Dexter anyway. Lawrence's videography skills and could that impact his contract extension? Hello. Okay. <laughs> no thoughts. I'm done. I'm How done. about Saquon getting wailed in the face with the dodgeball? Did you see that? I and I. By the way, were, were, you, were, were you very upset about that? Did that hit well, you or hurt? No, I, 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 I was okay with that. What I did think though was in the dodgeball thing, he was making so many quick action moves, left, right, this, that, twisting. I'm like, don't get hurt. Yet you want to play a real football game. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. That none of this makes any sense. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. Let's move uh, okay, on. Okay, fine. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me a chance. No, I'm 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 Thank you. I'm, I'm 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 happy to give you a, a platform to do whatever that was. Okay. <laughs> Just remember one thing. There was a real Pro Bowl at one time and it was played for real. Just remember that. I, it did I, exist. I understand. And nobody laughed at it when they played it. I understand. Okay. Um, all right. So we can also, by the way, yes. Um, wrap up the Senior Bowl. You mm -hmm. can go to my reports online and, mm -hmm. and, and check them out. Uh, your thoughts, Paul, on uh, the Senior Bowl from watching the game, and give me some of your takes, and I'll kind of run down some of mine. Real yeah, quick. you know, uh, John, I, I wasn't that thrilled with the game, to be honest. I've seen better games in recent years. Um, I thought the. Shrine Bowl was very disappointing. That was a field goal competition. Uh, not very well attended. And then in watching the Senior Bowl, um, Wilson, the wide receiver, which I know you've written about during the course of the week, mm -hmm. was a curiosity to me. But I'm still not enthralled with this receiver group and with the guys that I saw in that game. Uh, it was kind of obvious that everything we talked about the other day that the offensive linemen were actually the best group. There seems to be the most potential there. I agree. They showed it in the game. Yeah. If you watched it in the game, I don't know how many folks watched the practices, but if you watched the game, it was clear 
The offensive linemen were doing a good job in the running game, and they were doing a good job in pass protection. To me, that was the best overall unit in the game, and I think we agreed that during the week, from the limited clips I saw and from what you saw being there, it was the same way. Yeah, they were good. Now, what I would have liked to have seen more of in the game was the corners. I didn't see enough from the corners, and I wanted to get excited by the corners, but yeah, I didn't the, think the, the, the quarterbacks of, weren't good enough. Yeah, the types of passes they were throwing really no. didn't give the corners a chance to, to show off their skills. No, and that's what I was anxious to see. That's why I was really trying to study the game, because that's what I wanted to see, and I didn't really get to see that. So, it is what it is. Those, okay. are, those are my capsule thoughts. Yeah, I agree. I thought running back might have been the strongest class there. I thought a Blocking lot of was running good, backs though. were great. You know, yeah, when, you but, get, when you get those kinds of holes, too. Yeah, but if you watch these guys during the week, the, their explosion and their ability to I understand. Just, just like Ty J. Spears was excellent. Eric Gray from Oklahoma was good. I like Kenny McIntosh from Georgia. Uh, Roshan Johnson only practiced one day, but he was big and powerful. Right up, he's six foot two twenty. Right up your alley. And yep. then um, Chase Brent out of Illinois, I thought did a uh, really nice job as well. Sneeze. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Bless you. It was getting there. Um, and then. <laughs> You know, his his twin brother, Sidney Brown, I thought was one of the best safeties there all week. Darius Rush out of South Carolina. Corner was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, let me say, you mentioned Michael Wilson, a wide receiver. Jaden Reed from Michigan State was pretty good. Rashi Rice was okay from SMU, though he doesn't have a lot of juice. Uh, Luke Musgrave is a tight end. People should keep an eye on. He could be a yeah. beginning a second round and the first round type of pick. I thought, I thought he kind of flashed some. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him block a little better. But I thought he flashed some. I'll give you some of the names of the offensive linemen just so Giant fans can start getting used to these names. Uh, Osiris Torrance, I thought, was the best interior line, probably best lineman there, period, out of Florida. He was a transfer from Louisiana Lafayette, followed Napier from mm-hmm. there to Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could be a first-round pick, probably the only interior lineman that's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, I thought, was the best center there. Uh, from Minnesota, he was very good. Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, good. Steve Avila, really big, powerful guard from TS- TCU, was really good. Uh, Jalen Duncan, tackle out of Maryland, I thought did a nice job. Cody Mock, who was a tackle in North Dakota State, he's going to play inside because he's got little T-Rex arms uh, in the NFL, so he'll play guard or center. <laughs> First time he ever played guard or center was at the Senior Bowl, and he wasn't great, but he was okay, mm-hmm. which, considering it's the first time him doing it, I thought he did a nice job. Uh, Dewan Jones, only a one day of practice, 6'8", 370 pound, the right yeah. tackle, yeah. was dominant in first day of practice. And Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee, I thought did a really good job. Uh, the pass rushers didn't jump out to me. I thought Keon White was pretty good um, as a pass rusher from Georgia Tech. Uh, out of Tamiwa, out of Nabore, if I had a Northwestern. Little stout 6'1", 280-pound defensive tackle. Really good low-leverage guy. I thought he looked pretty good over the course of the week. Edge rushers, eh. K.J. Henry out of Clemson. Will McDonald, uh, small guy, 240, but he has 35-inch arms out of Iowa State. I thought he was the best guy on the outside in terms of burst. Linebackers, D. Winters, Ivan Pace, knowing that I would pick probably inside of the first couple of rounds. I mentioned Darius Russia corner. Uh, Caillou Blue Kelly out of Stanford had a couple picks during the week, as did Rush. I thought he was good at corner. Riley Moss out of Iowa I thought did a nice job. This is a guy that I would circle if I'm a Giants fan. In fact, there's two of them, but I'll give you this one first because of his size. Mm-hmm. Because he kind of matches, I think, what Wink likes. 6'3 out of Kansas State, Julius Brents. Tall guy. I think he's going to run really well at the Combine. Wink loves long, athletic guys in mm-hmm. corner, so he's someone I would keep an eye on. And then Tyreek Stevenson, good size, power, and speed at corner, just six foot, but 204 pounds, held a lot, 
a little too physical, but showed kind of his athleticism and his physical ability. I thought he did a pretty nice job. So, And I mentioned Sidney Brown at safety. Christopher Smith is kind of one of those slot safety hybrids. But those are the kind of the guys that jumped out to me. I think when we go to the Combine, John, and we got those details finalized, it'll be the end of the month. Um, it's going to be very interesting because this is the first time since we've been going that the Giants are picking very low. They're picking 25 in the first round. Yeah, after the 2016 season would have been the last time. Yeah, and so this is this is a very different way to go now because in years past, I approached the Combine with the thinking of, okay, I'm pretty sure I know what positions – I know what the strength of the position groups are, and I got a pretty good idea of guys who should probably go somewhere in the top 12 to 15. And it was a lot easier to focus on those groups and those players and the possible options. That's, that's, that's what the deal was. Now, with the Giants picking 25, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I can approach this the same way. I don't. I don't think you can. Oh yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think it'll. I think all these guys that jump on our show are going to be excited because we're not going to ask them the same questions about the top ten picks. Well, that's we're true. Going to be asking about all these other positions. That is true. That is true. I, I think it's unfortunate that while we mentioned last year, the draft matched up with what the Giants were looking for. The fact that the wide receiver group is not a great group this year is disappointing. Well, that's why I'm. I'm you know, you know and, and and we're going to start recording these mock draft review videos for for Giants.com mm-hmm. today. And there's a lot of a lot of wide receivers on there. I'll just tease it and say there that there are some, yeah, yeah. To for me, Paul, I don't know if there's going to be a big enough difference between the wide receiver you can get at 25 and the one that you can get at 57 or 58. Yeah, the Giants are picking the second round. Where I don't know, maybe maybe wide receiver in the first round isn't the way to go. There's no Jamar Chase here. That's no. the point. I mean, look, if you take this wide receiver class and you put it in last, you combine last year's and this year's class. The first receiver from this year, and this is that's not even the, the Jamar Chase year. That's last year with um, uh, Dotson, London, Smith, Olave, Tony. Waddle. No, Tony was two years that's ago. That's right, two years ago. Not Waddle. Um, the Jamison Williams, that group from last year. Maybe the five guys get picked before you even get to one yeah. receiver from I this mean, class. I this mean, this is not a real exciting group, and... And not to say that you're not going to find players, because remember, there was that year, oh gosh, what was it, five years ago now, where not one wide receiver was picked in this first round, but Terry McCorn went in round three, Mm -hmm. Debo Samuel went in round two, um, Metcalf went in round two, so you can get good players later at wide receiver, you just got to find them. Need I remind Giants fans, Toomer was a second round pick, Manningham was a third round pick, Victor Cruz was undrafted. You can find wide receivers. It's not like you can't get one. But the excitement and the thrill of thinking you're going to get one in the first round, I don't know that there's a great value there that's going to make it a good fit for them. And and the other thing is, too, John, to be honest. And, by the way, a ton of corners in the first round, too, so I'm not sure if any are going to be left by the time the Giants pick a 25. I, I don't know. It doesn't look like there will be if you read some of these projections. And you're looking at four or five off the board before the Giants even make a pick. Right. Exactly. Crazy. And so, and that's a shame because you know they probably would love to get themselves another one of those too. And you usually don't draft interior linebackers that high, not in today's game. Yeah, off-ball linebackers and guards and centers aren't necessarily what you're targeting for first-round picks. But right. the Giants could theoretically 
get the first guy at they either could. one of those spots if they like one of them enough. Well, like when they got uh, Collins and they got McKinney as the first safety left on their board, but it was the top of the second round. Right. So, you know, it, this is a different dynamic. When I'm going out there with you this time, John, I'm, I, it's a totally different approach, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I want to zero in on and, things. And look, and we'll still talk some stuff at the top of the draft because it's NFL-related and impacts yeah. the Giants with trades. But, yeah, it's going to be it's good. It's a little different. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is different. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Just as a reminder, folks, go subscribe to the Giant Subtle Podcast. The podcast features a couple episodes each week. We talk to national analysts, draft analysts, Giants reporters, uh, in-house guys, you name it. We talk to them. Right here on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere. Make sure you go check it out. Subscribe to the Giants Huddle podcast. All right, let's get to the phones. We got a bank, full bank of calls. You guys do a great job. We really appreciate it. Let's go to Hugo in New Jersey. He will lead us off today. Hey, Hugo. Hey, good afternoon, guys. And just uh, reflecting on your com- the comments you just made, um, you know, there's probably more than one way to skin the cat and improve the passing game. Uh, I think where the talent kind of meets where we're drafting this year is maybe in the tight end pool, a nice two-way tight end that helps both the passing game and running game might be one way to, you know, improve things without reaching for a receiver. Yeah, Hugo, I think, that's an, I think that's an interesting thought, and I have actually thought about that too. And here's the thing, and I'm curious to get your opinion, Hugo, and your opinion, Paul, because I've thought about this. For me... Daniel Bellinger is a really good player, but I almost look at him as more like your tight end two in yep. a team that runs a lot of 12 personnel because he's probably a little bit better of a blocker than a receiver. He's not going to beat mm-hmm. guys one-on-one and stuff. So, yes, I agree. I think you want to try to find a guy that's maybe a receiver first, but at the same time, and I think we saw this at the end of the year, I think if Brian Dable and Mike Kafka have their druthers and they, have, and they can handpick their personnel – I think they want to be in 11 all the time. I don't get the sense that they want to run a lot of 12 personnel. That's not my feeling. I, feel I like tend they, to agree with you. So I don't know if you, given that, do you want to use a first-round pick on a tight end? But you go, I'm with you. I think the value might actually meet better at tight end in that spot than wide receiver. I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. And Hugo, I'll get to you in a second. But, Paul, that's kind of how I think about it. Like, based on how they want to use their personnel, is a tight end in the first round something that makes sense for the staff? I'm not sure. Even after being around these guys for a year, we don't know how much they tweak things out of necessity or because that's the way they really want to run them, which is the question you're talking about. 
We just don't know what their preferred alignments and schemes would be. I do know once they found receivers they liked, we saw a whole lot of 11 personnel. We did. Yeah. We absolutely did. And and to be honest with you, okay, when you think about Bellinger's upside, and I know the Giants like him an awful lot, okay? He's never going to be Travis Kelsey. He's never going to be one of those guys, but could Bad he be luck. could he be a 45 50 catch guy? Yeah, maybe. I think so, maybe. I think that's possible. Yeah. Sure. And it and it might not be a lot of down the field stuff. It'll be, you know, short stuff, dump off, play action, you know, leaks, stuff like that. Like I've I've said for, forever, to me he's Jake Ballard 2.0. And there's nothing wrong with Jake Ballard. You can go to a Correct. Super Bowl with Jake Ballard. Mm-hmm. Hell, they did. So, so maybe that's the role of this. T- maybe they got the guy who fits the tight end role that they want. Yeah, like a Dan Campbell type almost, except a little bit of a better receiver. Maybe. You know, yeah. so, so, no, so maybe you. even though the value's there, maybe tight end is not something they're really interested in. Go ahead, Hugo. Yeah, uh, look, I, I, I think as the year progressed, they try to do something interesting with the tight end group, sort of what they did with the receiver group, right? They had... Uh, a possession guy, a speed guy, and a, and a twitchy guy in the slot, right? That's where we ended up. Yeah. And then, and, and then the, the tight end group kind of evolved towards the end of the year, too, with Lawrence Cager as maybe that pass catcher and Bellinger as the two-way uh, and Vanette as the blocker, right? So, you know, they're, they're kind of fitting roles, but I always see value in one tight end who could do it all, sort of like George Kittle. No, 100%. That really puts yeah. a lot <laughs> we of agree. That Don't bring up George Kittle to me, please. Oh, and, and by, by the way, Hugh, you're no. right. Look, you, you have Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. You have Musgrave out of Oregon State. You have the kid out of um, Utah, Mick. McFall, I'm trying to remember what his name is, um, who's also very good. Then you have a kid out of South Dakota State that's actually a really good player, too. So there are going to be some good tight ends available. Yeah. Well, but the, the real reason I call guys is uh, I, I just circled back to the uh, Joe Shane presser. He said a lot of interesting things during that presser. Boy, you can't help but come, in, come away being impressed. I mean, he thinks about things in a very strategic way. Dalton Kincaid one, out of Utah, by the way, is the tight end. I'm sorry. Dalton Kincaid. Go there ahead. you go. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the interesting things he said, and I think it, it was related to a question about Barkley, is that uh, being a good locker room guy and good culture fit was a minimum requirement before they considered bringing anyone aboard or offering a contract. Um, so in mathematics, that would be uh, unnecessary, but not a sufficient condition, let's just call it. Yep. But, uh, anyhow, having said that, I'm kind of marrying up something that you guys posted in an article that said that they're going to try to meet with everyone that they're going to put on their draft board. I, I think I'm paraphrasing it, but it was something like that. And how, how much importance you, uh, they're putting on the interview process. Now, what, one thing that really has peeved me in the past and is related to some of our big misses in the first round, round I'll talk Eric Flowers, Eli Apple, DeAndre Baker, Kadarius Tony. I wonder if we ever interview those guys because oh, we did. frankly, we're not – Oh, did we? Because when sure. I saw, uh, uh, honestly, when I saw their first like media introduction interviews, I kind of shook my head and, and kind of thought to myself, "These look, these guys don't really seem to be giant type players." All right, you got to remember I, something. There are there are multiple ways a team can meet with a prospect. You can have a formal interview. You can have an informal interview. You can have a visit. Okay, these are all multiple yeah. ways, and you can do it at the Senior Bowl or at the Combine. Exactly, That's right? And yeah, and, and you are and you are correct, by the way, Hugo. Between the Senior Bowl and the Combine, they will have a face to face or 
you know, some type of conversation with, with pretty much every prospect that's going to be on their board. That's correct. And then there's also the pro days. Yeah. So the, the truth too, of the matter yeah. is there are multiple ways you can have contact with a, with a prospect. So whether or not they had a, quote, official visit with him, that doesn't really hold a lot of water because there are other ways you could meet him. No, I, okay. So, so, so I understand. Look, I, I think my main point here is that with some of these players, you miss more on the person than you do on the athletic traits. And sure. the fact that Joe Shane is emphasizing these interviews and the culture, it gives me some level of comfort that these type of mistakes will not be made going forward. How smart, no, he, well, I hear you. Right? I appreciate the call. And look, that, that, that's always been something that I think that they've found important. And I do think more so than the interviews, because these guys all get coached up by their agents and they mm-hmm. get taught what to say and all that stuff. Having your scouts get into the background of these guys and talking to, you know, the locker room guys, the cafeteria workers, you know, other people from their past about these kids to get the straight dope on them. That to me is more important than figuring and figuring this stuff out that than the interview is only because I think these kids get so coached up on the interview process now it's tough to really get a lot out of it. I, I know for a fact that they use a lot of the interview stuff for football stuff. You know, they'll show them tape, they'll bring tape up, and they'll have to right. you know talk about what they saw and you know things like that. You know, I think the the one thing that you want to keep in mind about when they're they're scouting these guys years ago. The on-the-ground scouts who were in the different regions or in the different locations around the country, they were more focused on just the traits, the physical traits, over the, the years of scouting. And I can't tell you, maybe about a decade or so ago, they started to tell those on-the-ground scouts, you got to do more background stuff now. It used to be just the home base would do the background stuff and the scouts were just looking at the physical traits. Now everybody is responsible for doing some homework on backgrounds of the players. It wasn't always that way, John. Yeah. And, and I, I remember talking to one of the veteran scouts here just a few years ago. I'll leave him unnamed. And I said, you know, in some ways you have to kind of become an amateur psychologist now Yeah. because you need to do more of that background digging than you ever had to do before. He goes, Hey, I goes, I wasn't trained on how to do that. He goes, but we got to do it now. It's just the way it is. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the giants do, but I know other teams use investigators to look into the stuff too. Every like... team has an investigator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 201 201-939-4513. Hey, Giant fans. The Giants TV is the official streaming app of the Giants. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. Doug and Glenn Falls is up next. Hey, Doug. Hello. Hello, John. Hi, Doug. Now, could, I don't know how many tight ends were at, at the Senior Bowl. Six. Is it? Is it is it? Oh, there were six at the senior ball. Yeah, usually, you usually the there are, usually there are at least three or four on each team. Yes. Okay. Would you say that tight end class seems to be deep or not really? This is one of the better tight end classes that we've had. Um, I have not, you know, dug into the the like, you know, what you're going to get in rounds four and five and anything like that. But like, you probably have four or five guys that are better than the best guy from last year's class in Trey McBride. So you're going to have it's. It's a good class. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Well, please back into what the guy, I forgot the guy that was on first about possibly having an extra tight end. Is there any of these tight ends that have the skill set that, that um, 
Ingram had, where he was that fast. Yeah, most of these guys are actually bigger this year. You don't have a lot of those, um, a lot of those flex guys. Like I'm looking at the list here that like Dane Brugler has his top 15 rankings on the Athletic. He's one mm-hmm. of the best. No one's under 240. So you know Evan Ingram came in what 225 something yeah. like that. Yeah, blown up receivers and yeah, words. you don't have as many of those guys. There's actually a larger group of two way tight ends in this year's class than we've had in, in the last couple of years. Yeah. One guy actually, Mike um, Elijah Higgins. Who um, played wide receiver at Stanford, but is like 230 pounds, 228 pounds. I was talking to him at the Senior Bowl and go check that in the John Siddle podcast. He did a bunch of quick interviews with a lot of the prospects, and he told me teams have been telling him that they want him to be like that F move tight end. So that's something to keep an eye on. You know, one thing I, I would add here to this whole conversation about what we're looking at schematically and if a tight end's important. Um, there's a report that came out today by one of, and I, I'm forgetting which national guy it is. Garofolo, the Kafka in Arizona. It wasn't Garofolo; it was somebody else. Okay. But but if Garofolo said it too, I think he did. That Mike Kafka is a uh, is a finalist for the Cardinals' job. You know, and I'm sorry to say, but you know, if he does move on, you have to wonder how that might impact some of what the Giants want to do schematically. Even though I know Dable is the architect of everything from a general perspective. If Kafka leaves, you know, I would think, now I don't know this, John, but I would think we both agree that Tierney probably has a legitimate shot to move up into that spot. If I had to bet what would happen, Tierney becomes the OC and Davis Webb becomes quarterbacks coach. I would think so too. I would think so too. But I don't you know, know anything, you don't, we don't know. That we would, don't know that. If, look, if, if I was to make like Vegas style odds on what the what it would look like, that would probably yeah. be what my Vegas odds would be at the top of the list. So maybe it would not impact the Giants' philosophy regarding tight ends, but it could. It could. It's a good question. Thank you. Got anything else, Doug? No. I think he's. Yeah. Done. Well, the other oh, quick there he is. thing I got, I'm not sure you're going to have to worry about Wink Martindale leaving because. Jim Irsay, it's all about Jim Irsay right now. And he loves Jeff Saturday, even though Jeff Saturday ain't a great coach. Jeff Saturday is his guy, so I wouldn't, if I was Giants fans, I wouldn't worry about that much about Wink leaving to go to that, go to the Colts. All right, appreciate it, Doug. Thank Look, you. I try to get Paul to, you know, not to worry about stuff all the time, and I fail every time. So I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to try to start now. <laughs> It's in my nature to worry, John. Paul's worried about like the like the the timing on the schedule in the twenty twenty three schedule oh. right now. I'm not even I'm worried about how many primetime games we're going to have. See? I'm worried about how See? many how many Sunday, Monday, and Thursday night games we're going to have. Can we make this a segment? Just what are you worried about, Paul? Paul worries, yeah. we could take it. Yeah. Yeah. The agita hour. Yeah, it's not bad. Well, I'm not making that's not. It's not gonna be a full hour. I promise you that. Go ahead. Well, yeah, you know, I think we can. Maybe we could, you know, have a little production made for that. That could be fun. Oh, I like please. that. Please go ahead. We'll figure it out. Who's next? What's up? I'm John Wall, and I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Six Man of the Year. Elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard. He don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top not of that, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from 
crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wilson and Roxbury. Hi, Wilson. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi. Hey, Paulie, before I get to my Daniel Jones point, you yes. and Jonathan made me famous last week. Uh, I guess I called, and uh, I guess uh, one of my wife's, uh, husbands was watching like me and uh, he said um, I was the only guy that can incorporate scotch kitchen knives and two by fours from Home Depot into a sports show conversation and it was hilarious I mean everybody was cracking up man oh, I'm, not even, I'm, not, I'm not even gonna ask no don't ask don't, don't not ask not even it gonna was, ask it was, it was crazy <laughs> it was crazy funny but it, anyway <laughs> It was nuts. But, um, hey, listen, all, all kidding aside, um, I'm Daniel Jones, real quick. Hey, listen, I, 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 I don't know Daniel personally. Like, I don't know. You guys know him more than me. I, I don't, he doesn't seem the kid that, that will want, like, every, like, the last dime. But I hope he doesn't get bad advice. And, uh, Don, you can help me on this one. Um, yeah, keep, well, keep in mind. You remember? He is Danny Dimes. Well, <laughs> just saying. Uh, uh, you're right. I guess you're right about that. Well, but I guess, uh, I, no, sorry. All, all, all I, I could like, all I joke. Do, I, yeah. Well, I just, I just want to give my word of advice. You, you guys remember Brock Osweiler? Sure. Yeah. Did, I, did, did he beat? Did he? I don't know, John. You can let me help me out because you, you got the computer there. Did he beat the Patriots in, for the Broncos to go to the Super Bowl? Was he him? Yep. Yes. He was right. Okay. And you remember then, I guess, uh, you know, he took bad advice and he took a lot of money, which, hey, listen, I don't blame anybody. Wait, Wilson, hold on. Why is it bad advice? He got a lot of money out of it. Why is that bad? Uh, 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 no, well, okay, but no, because he was out of the league in two years, Paul. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, but here's the thing. He would have been out of the league in two years anyway, except he had about $15 more million. Dollars. So, no, smart, Brock Osweiler. Smart. Passion. No, Wilson, no, Wilson, I'm, I'm, I'm not being funny. I'm being dead serious. It shows you how quickly things can change in the league, and when you have the chance to cash in, you cash in because you don't know oh. when your next chance is going to be. It can change in an instant in the NFL. Right, I know. But, He's but right. Listen, but He's I think, absolutely right. I think, no, but I think Daniel Jones is a much better quarterback than Brock. Sure. That's why well, that's, I mean, that's not no, but, the debate but, here. The debate is no, the, the, does the, the player debate. have to maximize whatever he can get whenever that okay. opportunity arises? That's the question. That's right, the question. But listen, but, but if you go to a bad situation, right? You you, you know you, I, I don't know. I, I guess I guess it's. I mean, how much money actually are we talking about? I mean, thirty million, thirty-five million. I mean, when you're talking about that kind of money, don't you don't you want like to grow as a player or just have money in the bank? I, I guess I, I I mean nobody can answer that except Daniel Jones. But you get you you know what I'm saying? I just. You can go to a All bad right. situation and have a lot of money in the bank and be out of the league. I don't. Let, you want let, that me, as, as, let me throw yeah. something into your salad here, okay? Okay. Go it ahead. was right after the season was over and Leonard Williams was doing the locker room clean-out interview just down the hall here. And he flat-out said, I love playing with Dexter Lawrence. He, he's like right. a brother to me. And mm-hmm. I would take less money and even a pay cut to stay here 
because I want to I want to play the next several years of my career with him by my side. Now, now it all depends what he means by pay cut, too. Of course. Now, now that might be contract extension, bring the cap number down, well, but he doesn't actually lose any money. Okay, no, nobody, nobody right. knows exactly what he meant. But the point is, there will be circumstances where a right. player will value comfort perhaps a little bit more than that extra dollar. Now, usually, that is true. But usually that will happen. That happens on what? the third player contract, not the second player contract. Right, because they, they okay. want to get they want to squeeze that second one as much as they can. Well, yeah, usually. because then you don't know if you're going to be able to get a third right. one. Yeah. Right, now, now right. Derek, no, Derek Carr is in the same boat now, right? We, he's probably going to get cut by the Raiders because they don't want to pay his $40 million guarantee. So he's going to he wind a lot up, of money already. Right, him. right. But he's going to wind up being a free agent, right? And he's going to be out there, and Derek Carr is certainly, in my mind, one of the top 10 quarterbacks in this league. So now is he going to look for that kind of money, or does he wind up taking less money to go to a team like Tampa because he likes the environment in Florida? He knows there's no taxes there to deal with, uh, you know, in terms of state tax. Now that helps money-wise, though. (laughs) Right. And and he thinks the Buccaneers have something going. Or does he go to some place like the Jets or the Panthers? He's got to think a lot of stuff to yeah, consider. Yeah, for me, I see. Now I don't want to get off off, well, uh, off track here, but I think the well, Jets are a better situation. Than I the agree with you. I think the Jets are okay. a great situation for Derek Carr. But listen, but it's, I think it's a little different when you're already cashed out already. I, I think. I no, think I agree with that. Out, okay. No, what I'm saying is this. I mean, like I said, I don't know who's giving Daniel Jones advice. His agent. Listen, that's who his agent is giving him advice. What it? What it? I, I don't count. I don't count George Judge as a head coach. He was a bum, so I, I can't count. He, oh, nobody don't say can that. With, the, don't say that. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I'll take it back. But he wasn't a good head coach. So let's put it that way. So just count the first year of Daniel Jones and and last year, two years. Does he want to start again with another head coach, another another terminology, another offensive coordinator? I, I just don't know if if all that. I mean, this is you winning. You guys know this. You he wins in New York. He'll be Eli again. So I, I don't know. I, I'm just saying. Uh, hopefully, this kid doesn't doesn't take bad advice, and it, and and the situation doesn't become messy. Because Giants fans, we had a lot of mess this past five years, six mm-hmm. years, and, and and the last thing that Giants fans like myself want is it, mess. You, you guys understand what I'm saying? Wilson, no, now, here's what I'll you. say to you. I do think... I thank you for the call, Wilson. We thank appreciate you. it. I, I do think, and I know you differ with me on this, I do think that Daniel Jones, because of the circumstances of how his career has gone to this point and the success that he's finally achieved, that there will be a hometown discount. Oh, no, look, look. Here's I do the believe thing. that. It's a question what the level of the discount is and where the number starts, right? So yeah. there are levels to this. So again, this, these are not numbers that I that we think the Giants are offering Daniel or that we think Daniel was asked for the Giants. These are just random numbers that we're throwing out there, right? There's a big difference between $30 million and $35 million. You know, that's one of six. That's... You know, between fifteen and eighteen percent. That's a significant amount of money. Well, then so, if the guarantee also changes that too. Right. But my point is that there's a difference between taking five million less a year and like a million less per year. So mm-hmm. yeah, if it comes down to and the Giants are like, you know, a million per year less than another team and the Giants are the preferable situation, yeah, I think he would end up picking the Giants because that would be your hometown discount. Right. But when you start looking at like thirty million dollars over the course of like a five year deal, but what if they guarantee? That's more than a discount. What if they guarantee him ten million more than? Well, the other I mean, team? but we're not talking so about are, that. But though. there are yeah, ways right. to do it, right? But there we're are ways I, to no, do but, it. but 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 then it's not a discount. 
if you're getting guarantees out of it. So the point is that will how much is is he willing to hurt himself financially to stay with the Giants, whether that's in guarantees or money per year, however you want to look at it. What how triggers will he... he be willing yes, to swallow? Correct. Sure. And that's the question. Look, I, I Wilson, I agree with you. I'm sure if all things were equal, Daniel would love to be back here, be with Dable, be with Kafka, mm-hmm. be with Shea, and do it all over again. But this is business now. And look, this is don't just go into something counting on somebody doing something out of the goodness of their hearts. Generally, that's not how these things go. Maybe will Daniel be that guy? Sure. I don't know the answer to that. The Giants would love for him to be that guy. But I, I can't go into a situation just saying, oh, Daniel likes the Giants. He's going to give him a break and he's going to get a discount. It's going to be awesome. Like, I, I just can't walk into a situation assuming that's going to happen because literally in the history of the world that I've seen in the NFL the last 20 years, <laughs> somebody hitting free agency for the, for the first time, guys generally don't take yeah. discounts. It, That's all I'm saying. The the other day when we were on the show, John, and not uh, for nothing. Remember, they could have picked up his fifth year option. You know, there's a chance he could be a little cranky about that too. The um, Russ compared him to Aaron Judge, and and well, I, he's not. Aaron Judge no, no, is no, no. Sixty overall, not not as an MVP candidate. Oh, okay, I got but you. as a hometown, homegrown guy, yes, who had his best season in his contract year. Yeah, right. Okay, and. Bet you know had to bet on himself because he wasn't given a choice to get an extension before. Now Judge did have a choice and bet on himself. Jones just had to bet on himself out of necessity because he didn't have the fifth year option. So he just had to have the best year of his career in his contract year if he wanted to get a good deal, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what it comes down to is no matter how this thing works out, there's a real good chance that we'll never really know if the player would have given a hometown discount or not because after they sign if they stay they always say well this is where i always wanted to be oh yeah oh no yeah yeah <laughs> right so you never really know no we're now, never gonna in know. judge's case though it was interesting because he did admit that he was offered more money to go to san diego yeah and he wound up giving the yankees the quote hometown discount now not yeah, that it was because he's still the richest player in baseball <laughs> right which is why i made the point there are levels to this right and that's where your this. that's where your comment comes into play right and again we're not we're not negotiating in public here but eventually no. this is going to be a business negotiation both sides are going to have to figure out what their, you know, the Joe Shane has talked about what his walkaway number is for players right they'll have to figure out what right. his walkaway number is for daniel but remember the franchise tags there Yes. So if they don't want him to leave, he's not leaving, period. And Correct. the franchise number is just around $32 million. So that's there as the non-exclusive tag. So, And then Daniel's going to have to make a decision, right? Does Would he rather – and again, we don't know what Daniel's thinking, but would he prefer to play on one year on a tag, maybe get better talent around him and try to get better? Maybe Burrow and Herbert sign extensions this offseason and the quarterback goes up, quarterback market goes up. See, Kirk Cousins four or five years ago. Does he prefer a two- or three-year deal? Where, all right, he mm-hmm. gets a little bit more of a um, safety net in terms of amount of money in the bank, but he gets to hit fringe again in two or three years. That's contract number two. Then you have contract number three. I love it here. I want to be here. Let's sign the five-year deal. We can right. spread the signing bonus out. Mm-hmm. Um, may, you know, Maybe I'll get a little bit more because they can spread the money out a little bit more, mm-hmm. but then I'm not going to be in the market again in two or three years. So what's Daniel's priority? I have no idea. I don't think anyone no. right now, you know, as of last week, the Giants had not started negotiating with him yet. So I don't think they know what his priorities are. So that's a big unknown. And frankly, we're never probably going to know what his priorities are mm. because none of this stuff is public. No, no. That's it. 
Hey, a hypothetical for you, John, and I know that the rest of the crew here doesn't like my idea of a quarterback cap, but what if I went the other way oh boy. and said to you that the NFL adopt the bird rule in the NBA where you can re-sign re one of your players regardless of the cap? Would you be okay with that? I think the quarterback is so important as a position that it would unbalance the league. It would give a huge advantage to teams that have the great quarterback. And that's players you drafted, isn't it? Yeah, the bird yes. rule is well the yes. players that not you drafted. Homegrown but guys are, to resign. Yes. Not no, not homegrown. They are on your roster already. For example, the Knicks would have bird rights to Jalen Brunson next time he gets for agency. Oh, that's right. The Knicks had bird that's rights right. to Julius that's Randle, right. for example. That's right. So it's a, anybody you, that's you currently on your roster, it's a you have bird rights to. Right. That's correct. And had, I think maybe and not. I don't think second round picks you have bird rights on either. I think you have to be first round picks or X oh, number. Do you? Of years, I wasn't I even aware. Of that. Yes. Okay. So, the point is, is yeah, something along those point. lines? Would you be okay with that? No, I wouldn't. You would not because okay. the quarterback is such an important position that the teams with the Mahomeses and the Josh Allens and the Burroughs, they don't get any disadvantage to having the great quarterback. What makes the league so well-balanced is that if you want to pay the great quarterback, it limits what you could do around them. Like, Tyreek Hill would still be a Chief in your world. Right. Tyreek Hill never would have left the Chiefs. Right, because they would have enough money to do it. Do you want the Eagles to continue with their awesome roster after they pay Jalen Hurts? Probably not. I, I wouldn't I, if I was per, a Giants per, fan. Personally, I, I I would just like to see the Eagles go right down the tubes. Yeah, but if but but if, but if they never have to pay Jalen Hurts under the cap, it's never going to. See, but because you don't have to commit money to the quarterback. But, but see, the, the don't end, you think the Cowboys would love for Dak Prescott and his forty million not to count towards the, the cap? They, they could resign. Of course, they guys. would. Well, but see, the the NBA felt that there was enough of a justification to the league to keep these superstars where they are. Because it helps the identity of the league. Yeah, but they have a luxury tax and the continuity. Well, they well they do. Maybe the maybe the NFL needs to do that too. Then I, I'm just saying that I think there's a better way to handle this. Too many times we've seen teams have to wind up getting either destroyed, ripped apart, or not be able to do what they feel they need to do because there's that one quarterback on the roster. Yeah, but the NFL likes that. So you, so you think that's a negative? I, I, As a football guy, I think it's horrible. I hate it. No, but the, the, that's why you have different teams in it every year. Yeah, I get the it. The league wants that. Look at the Bills. The Bills went from the best roster in football two years ago, and now you're like, oh, they could draft anyone any position because they have issues everywhere. Because they mm -hmm. had to pay Josh Allen. Okay. You, you're entitled to like it. I don't. Oh, no, no. Look, I, me, like or dislike, it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you, that's what makes the league popular. Oh, the, the quicksand of mediocrity. They and, love that. Well, and I get it. And, I mean, it's not like these, these big quarterbacks rarely leave anyway. They always usually stay where they are. I mean, Lamar Jackson is going to be the you know real uh, test case here. But Well, you know, um, between Carr and maybe Rodgers this year, but that would be a— Yeah, but the Raiders could keep Carr if they wanted. They don't want him anymore. They could. That's well, their not, choice. Not at 40. They signed the contract a year ago. Yeah, but now they don't want him at 40. Well, that, that, but that, that's their decision. They're not it being is. forced by it. It is. They no, chose to put no. themselves in that situation. But but they're not going to pick up his $40 million option because that would be so cap prohibitive. No matter how good he is, they're not going to pay that. That's a, that's a, that's, that's Someone a, will. Uh, which I know, I know. <laughs> I, Someone's I, going to. I know the economy of this league. It's just that it, it uh, folks, it's, is it my fault that I was born Pearson, in the golden era I of the, the NFL? Perfect, perfect name of this episode for the title, Living in the Past.
Okay, there you go. Pro Bowl, salaries, free agency. Old Man uh, Yells at Cloud is good, too. Oh, yeah, that's actually pretty good. Old Man Yells at Cloud. That's not bad. I Did like you that. see, I think it was Jeremy Fowler today said that they're possibly $100 million off uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Like really? How oh, far there? I did not see that. Yeah. Wow! Guaranteed hundred. Like money. wait. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah. Wow! That's gonna be the trick. That's like the first guy off his first contract. That's a star quarterback that we haven't seen get done. We'll see. Anyway, let's, all right. I'm gonna get back to the calls. We kind of got off on a I'm sorry. sideways track. That's okay. We got two more. We'll get to Lennon Scott, and then we'll say goodbye. Lennon Columbia Maryland's up next. Hi, Len. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing great. How What's are you, up, Len? Uh, just to, just to capitalize on what Pearson just said, the word down here is that uh, Jackson wants the contract fully guaranteed. Um, <laughs> and by the way, Len, and we said this last year when it happened, this is why 31 owners in the National Football League, when they saw that Deshaun Watson contract last year, they were all cried. No, they, they wasn't crying. It was like throwing stuff. <laughs> like they were mad because it sets yeah. the precedent. That's right. For frankly, a quarterback that is has a lot of issues. And again, when he was healthy and on the field, he was very good. But obviously, there are other things going on there. Um, that now every other quarterback can be like, well, Deshaun Watson got it. I should get it too. And this is going to be a huge mm-hmm. fight now back and forth between these star quarterbacks and their teams. And by yep. the way, if you don't think Daniel Jones' agent has that in his back pocket too. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, John, I'm going to ask, ask permission uh, if, if I could do a little history. Granted. I, I know you guys are great on <laughs> I know John loves it. Paulie will love it probably more than John will here. But here we go. You know um, – I, I, I was 15 years old. This is a long time ago. God, it's over 60 years ago. But I actually saw Pro Bowl in the 50s. Well, it was uh, a different. It was a different Pro Bowl, though. Oh in those my goodness! Days. Oh my goodness! Uh, following the 58 season and following the 59 season, mm-hmm. two, I saw two Pro Bowls. Sat in the Los Angeles Coliseum, an impressionable 15, 16 oh, year old cool. kid. And, um, yeah, we were actually, for one year, Rams season ticket holders. And uh, so we, we, every once in a while I glance at Rams scores because I remember those days when we held Rams season tickets. Wow. But, but in any event, um, Frank Gifford, uh, January um, 59, after the 58 season, most valuable player in the first one that I saw. And I'll tell you, it, it was pretty exciting. And as, as the years went on, Paul, you referred to the 70s. And the one thing that I always remember, and, wanted, and I, I got to a point where I didn't watch much of the game in the 70s and even into the 80s, but I loved the introduction of players. When they would, they'd line up on the 40-yard lines and the cameras would scan mm-hmm. the roster, the guys would have their helmets off, they'd hold them on their hand, you know, mm-hmm. against their hip. And you could actually see their faces, and you waited for those Giants players who were in the Pro Bowl. And, of course, in the 70s, it was Dave Jennings and nobody else. But we <laughs> Brad Van Pelt. Don't, don't diss Van Pelt now. And Carson had yeah, a, so, a few of those in the 70s, too. Um, all right, let me, let me move on. Thank you for letting me do the memory thing. You're welcome. Uh, oh, let me have one other thing I wanted to point out. And, and John was talking about marketing. You know, when, when Burt Bell died suddenly in 1959, he was the commissioner, and the owners went out, the 12 of them went out and um, hired Pete Rozelle. Nobody had heard of Pete Rozelle. Mm-hmm. He was a, a second-level marketing guy with the Rams, public relations. Right. But, the one, but he ushered in the marketing organization well, in the NFL. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, that was, that was the start of it. Marketing became a key phrase. 
and uh, and you know you got you got to give Roselle a lot of credit for that. Um, Daniel, um, I, I don't know the answer to this. Maybe you do, but I'll put it in this. I'll I'll state it this way: the Giants have to decide whether we're going to pay Daniel for who he is today, or whether the 15th, 16th, 17th best quarterback in the league, or whether we're going to pay Daniel for what we think he can be, that we think he's not anywhere near his ceiling, that it's much higher than the 15th best quarterback in the league. No, that's a great point. I think that's the, I think that's the point that they have to reach. What are we going to pay this guy for? Now, so here's a question for you. What do you, what do you think his ceiling is? Well, Len, honestly, right now, and again, I'll probably end up doing this maybe later in the week with Howard or something like that. If And I've only done it off the top of my head, so I don't have anything written down in front of me, so don't hold me to this, fans. But even if you go through the quarterbacks right now, and instead yeah. of using the criteria of who's the best quarterback today, and you change it to who would you rather have for the next three to five years, Yeah, Daniel's already top 15. He sure. might He might be top 12 or 13. Sure. Uh, on, on, if you approach it that way. Yes, if you approach it, who would you most rather have for the next three to five years? He might already right. be around top 12-ish. Len, the question okay. of paying for potential or the present, which yeah. is a very, very hard one to answer. because Sure is. Because yeah. the team is going to probably be more in the present and the agent's probably going to be more oh in the God, potential. Yes. Oh, of course. Okay, yeah. that's true. Okay? Yeah. So, so what you have to do... As the team, to be frank, the team has more of the responsibility of understanding where can they go as an offense and as a team with this guy as a quarterback. So they almost yeah. have the responsibility, more than the agent does, of trying to figure out the other side of that equation. Well, yeah, and I, yeah. I, th- and I think you do things like player comparisons and things like that, and that's how you kind of right. come to it. And right? also what, right. what you plan or what you realistically believe you can right. add to help that quarterback reach more potential. Right. Right. Now, w- one thing I, f- I firmly believe in this day and age, there's, there's no, no such thing as a hometown discount. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not the way the business operates. Yeah, and again, Len, look, I think there is to a point where, yeah. look, if a team's like 500000 ahead of the Giants, then maybe he picks the Giants. Yes, in that way, maybe, but we're not talking multiple millions of dollars here. I agree right. with you. Right, and, and that's, when it be, that's when the 500000 uh, John, becomes multi-millions because we're talking about three, four, maybe five years. Right, no, no that's a fair point. I mean, I mean, it's a tough thing. All right. Um, my opinion at this point, we're a long way from the draft. Uh, I'm leaning toward best player available. That always kind of changes. At but 25, Lynn, that's out. a pretty good just, bet. Yeah. I'm just going to throw I'm going to throw it. And he, here's who I think is going to be there at 25. This, now, this is today. I think the best player available at 25 on draft day is, is going to be the tight end from Notre Dame. If he's there, he might be and, gone. And, he's not going to be know there. What? If you know what, I, I would jump all over that. He's a really terrific player. I don't see oh him being there. No, oh a lot my. of people he think he might not changes. be the first one off now. If we don't draft him, he's going to terrorize us for 10 years. <laughs> well, I hope he goes to the <laughs> AFC. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. You know what, Paul? Yeah, Paul likes him, which means he's going to Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. All right. All right, there you go. All right, one other thing. Um, <laughs> in, interior offensive line. John, you, you, you saw the kids from Minnesota. Yeah, he's good. Um, is he first-round material? 
Here's the problem. Not, huh? I don't know if I would pick him at 25, but I'm not sure he's going to get to uh, 57 or whatever the second round pick would be. So that right. is, he's he's kind of. I would probably be more comfortable picking him between 30 and 40. Again, I I haven't watched the whole class, so maybe right. I'll be like, all right, you know, maybe maybe I maybe I'd be okay with him in the late 20s. But that's yeah. my initial feel for watching him. Okay. But he but good player. I like him a lot. I, I don't I don't think he's quite as good as Chris Hunt, Creed Humphrey was a couple years ago when he was at the Senior Bowl of Oklahoma, and literally right. no one got by him the whole week, and he was unbelievable. Right. But right. he's probably in a level slightly below that. Right. Okay. One uh, one other thing. In, I, I, I'm I'm moving toward interior offensive line. Yeah. Uh, as part of the discussion, we we we've got to fix the center. Wait, how, how long have I been on centers, John? I mean, I, I, it, it goes back to Richburg. I've been talking to you guys when when, <laughs> when <laughs> since O'Hara. Let's be honest. Since like Sean O'Hara and like David Boss, I guess if you want to throw him in the mix, like uh, you haven't. Yeah, basically they have not had a multi-year starting center since Sean O'Hara. You know, Kevin well, Booth actually played better than Boss down the stretch in no, the eleven right. season. Mm-hmm. Well, well Boss got yeah. hurt, right? Yeah, wow. mm-hmm. yeah, and Booth played yeah. better. Mm-hmm. Well, we thought we were going to address it when we when we drafted Richburg, but yep. I mean that 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 didn't work out. But we, uh, I mean, we have to address the center situation. And by the way, and we when, have to address and, the left guard. We have to address the left guard. And look, I I, I would honestly be okay with with bringing Gates back in one of those spots. Mm-hmm. Oh, John, I would I be. Know. I thought he played well at the end of the year, Len. I really did. I thought he yeah. was good. I'm a Gates guy. The problem is both he and Feliciano were free agents, right? And you're gonna need a little bit of cash to bring at least yeah. one of them back. Now again, yeah, Len, yeah, that doesn't yeah. mean I wouldn't want to draft one too. Right. And if he beats right. out Gates, that's fine. I'm not going like you know top of the market for Nick Gates here. But yeah. remember, even if he doesn't start for you, he's a great swing guy to play right guard, left guard, and center off yeah, the bench. Yeah, there you go. There you go. He's my John. He's my eighth offensive lineman. Just remember year. something, Len. That's Nick seven. Nick Gates. If he gets the opportunity, and I'm sure there are teams out there oh, he who, has might, to cash in. who With that might say to him, oh, he, yeah. we're going to make yeah. you a starter, he's going to take that. And he should do it. He and should, should take it. I, I'm, I'm not sure there's going to be that kind of market it, for him. Uh, not, it doesn't have to be top me, of the market. It could just be mid-level okay. to low-level right. starter, and that's going to be more than what the Giants might pay as a versatile reserve. I think right now, if, if I count it correctly, we've got either 13 or 14 offensive linemen under contract, okay? Or, or a free agents and who we, who we might, might be able to bring back, like Feliciano and, and Gage. There's 14 of them. I, I'd be comfortable with three of those guys as starters. And one, I, I've got a qualifier. Well, then, like then, the well, then, I could tell you right now, before we go, Glowinski starting next year, Neil starting next year, Andrew yeah. Thompson starting next year. No doubt. Period. Listen, stop. The, They're those all were the three. Those yes. were the three. Correct. Those are the three I got, and I have a qualifier in Glowinski. We can. Every team has a Glowinski on its offensive line. Okay, what you need on the other side, what you need at right guard, is somebody who's better than Glowinski. You, you mean, can't you mean have left guard, two left, guys. Left guard. Left so guard. that's why I said, yeah, left guard. Thank you. You're, you're just brushing so aside Azudu. That's, that's, that's disappointing. We can live with. We can live with Glowinski. All right, he's, he's he's priced right. He's in the second year of his contract. He played all year. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he, you know, availability. And he played pretty well. I, I thought particularly down the stretch he played a little better. So I'm comfortable with that. But the guy on the left, uh, the, um, yeah, the left guard has got to be better than Glowinski, John. That, that's how we grow. Um, so I think, it's gotta, I think we have to address that, and we've got to address it early. All right, we've got to hey, run, then. For- Thank you, pal. Good stuff. Um. I gotta be honest. I thought Paul and and we'll get to the last call. 
I thought the last six games or so, the interior offensive line did okay mm-hmm. in pass protection. Mm-hmm. The bigger issue is the right tackle, to be quite honest with you. Well, yeah, because Neil was terribly banged up. I mean, I'll give you a good example, right? All right, according to my sack chart, uh, Glowinski, Lewinsky's last sack was given up in the home game against Washington. He did not give up a sack the rest of the season. He gave up four and a half on the year. I thought the I thought again. I thought Bredesen and Gates' rotation worked okay. I would probably rank them slightly above Feliciano. I would think. You know what's in funny? The way I look at it, but I got Bredesen for giving up one sack the whole year. Bredesen was pretty good when he, he played. He did okay. Yeah, he did okay, and that surprised me. I did not think that he had that kind of upside. And again, if if look if you if you have a chance to get like some huge upgrade at a low cost, that's fine. I just don't think the team's in a position here where you could pay top dollar for a guard or center. You're not based on the rest of their cap situation. So at that point, would you rather have the solid guy that you know that maybe doesn't cost as much? And again, I'm okay. You know, bring bring a Zudu back, give him a chance to compete. Maybe draft another guy in the third or fourth round, give him a chance to compete. You have Lemieux back. Keep this in mind on a Zudu. I'm okay with that. When he came in, he was supposed to be a red shirt. He wasn't supposed to play as a rookie. He was supposed to make this team as a backup, and they were going to coach him up because he left North Carolina a year early, all right? He was not supposed to be in the mix to be a potential starter. And because of all the injuries, all of a sudden, he was thrust in there. So don't be too harsh on grading him. He was raw, all right? He's big, he's very strong, and he's very athletic. There's a lot of potential with Azudu. So just because he was he was prematurely thrown into the starting lineup for half of the season doesn't mean that he cannot be the future left guard. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that he is either. Don't know that. Right. So we'll see. I, I don't consider that as big of a need as other people do. I agree with you. I don't think it is. I wouldn't way. argue with an upgrade. I wouldn't be against it. But I don't think yeah. it's like a drop dead, you better do it or you're screwed type of situation. My big thing with the O-line is you need to solidify the center spot. Yeah, either, I'm, either, I agree. Either Gates is coming back and he's going to be the guy. Or if you believe that you can get an upgrade, then you do it. That, to me, is the spot. I'm now, not worried about the guards. Scott in New Mexico, he wants to talk about the linebackers, which I think off-ball inside linebacker is a much bigger need than interior offensive linemen. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> that's actually my point. One thing the NFL teaches us is you have to stop the run. And we have Ojolari, <clears throat> excuse me, Thibodeau, Lawrence, and Williams, and we're going to need some additional people to back them up. But the one weakness I think the Giants have, and it should be addressed because of drafting at 25, I think you addressed the issue, John, that there won't be that many corners potentially left. And I think yeah, you can get a wide receiver in the second round. But people like Will Anderson, Andre Carter, Tyree Wilson, Trenton Simpson, uh, somebody you mentioned before, Noah Sewell, uh, they may be available. I know Andre Carter plays for Army, but Army has a special dispensation where you can actually play in the NFL and then honor your commitment. Yeah, I mean, by the way, just, just real quick, Scott, Andre Carter's an edge player. He's not going to be a first-round pick, so I would not think okay. about him. And and, no. and Tyree Wilson's also an edge player. He's not an off-ball inside linebacker. But okay. Trenton Simpson and Drew Sanders are two guys. Drew Sanders is from Arkansas, are probably the two first-round inside linebackers that could get picked this year. And there's a couple other guys, too. But those are the two guys that come to mind immediately that could be the off-ball linebacker types. Okay. And do you think they'd be available at 25? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, I don't think it's guaranteed, but I think there's a chance. Right. And if they get Beavers, which I know you're both high on, 
does that complement the defense a little bit better and make them more universal in regards to being able to stop the run? That was my central question. I know you're short on time, so I'll take your answers off the air. No, I appreciate time. it, Scott. Thank you for being brief. We, we, we appreciate it. Um, yeah, look, I think Beavers will help. I think off the ACL, you never know how quickly a guy's going to recover. Right. So you have to take that in consideration. But Thank goodness it was early. Yeah, and you know, you know, is 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 he your one A inside backer or is he your one B inside don't know backer? The answer to that. Neither do I. Because remember, they're going to play that safety and nickel spots a lot. So, do mm-hmm. they want him as a true three down guy, or do they want him more as a first and second guy? Then they want another linebacker. Because you know, Beavers is a bigger guy. He's not like a four four runner. He's not like super duper fast. No. And he's athletic though, and, no. he, and he did show some cover skills no. and some blitz skills. I love Beavers. Cincinnati. I was no one was higher in Beavers yeah. in the preseason I, than I was. I, I was a huge Beavers guy. So, and I loved him in the draft too. Remember, I was, I was shocked he got picked so late. So, I don't know how they view him. I do think they believe he will help when he gets healthy. He's part of the solution, John. The question yes, is how big a part. Yeah, correct. It's a perfect way to put it. And that and that will determine the uh, the impetus. To, uh, to look at another inside linebacker and how high you're going to look at one. If you think a lot, a lot about Beavers like we do, you might kind of put off the inside backer a little bit. Look, but Wink said you, it a million you times. Uh, you have a slow in middle linebacker, you have a slow defense. Yeah, he has. He has said that many times. Yeah. He wants speed and length. That's mm-hmm. what he wants out of a middle linebacker. Now, Beavers... Which, which is Drew Sanders out of Arkansas, just FYI. Right, right. Now, Beavers is more of a bopper. Yes, correct. Okay, and trust me, you need one of those guys too. You know, and to stop the run, by the way, you also need more depth on the defensive line. Because well, once you got past Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, that's it. And Nick Williams got hurt, who I thought was a bigger loss than people gave him credit for. It was a disaster. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Oh, so there's no doubt. You you need they're gonna that third defensive tackle is is something you're gonna want to look at. Like I think fans might be surprised the Giants are gonna go out there and for agency they're probably gonna pay for a third defensive tackle and it's not gonna come as cheap as fans want it to be. It's gonna be a couple million probably. I think it's gotta be a plugger though, John. That's fine. What whatever it is, but I don't think it's, it's gonna be, be a, a it's not gonna be a league minimum player. They they've tried to 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 fill that spot that plugger spot. Um, they tried to do it with Jelly Ellis. Yep. That was not a good move. The year before, they tried to do it with that former uh, Patriot and Texan. Oh, what the heck was his name uh, now? I, I, oh, I'm, I'm losing track. I'm forgetting his name. It's escaping me now. And he, and he uh, Danny Shelton. Yeah, Danny Shelton. And he, and he was just not the answer. I mean, they've tried to get that guy now two years in a row, and they failed both times. So maybe you get one in the draft this year. Good stuff, Paul. Yeah, it was fun. I'm back with Cross tomorrow on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Make sure you stay with us all this week. And just a reminder, programming you know, next week, we're not going to have no shows in terms of Big Blue Kickoff Live. I'll try to get a huddle or draft season out there for you if I can. Um, we're working on that this week. So make sure you stay tuned. But, yeah, most of our department's getting off next week. Pearson, his parents were going to disown him if he didn't go back to Massachusetts, so we had to send him home, um, which is great. He'll enjoy that. And uh, we'll get us some time off because we all need to, you know, recharge our batteries I think he's going bit. to that Brock Osweiler autograph signing up in Boston, too. <laughs> I don't think he's doing that. <laughs> for Pearson, for Paul, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moment 
moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.